it's Michaela Gordon, and welcome to So Funny It Hurts, where we interview your favorite funny people and explore the trauma that makes them that way. I'm so excited about this week's guest, a fellow Jew, and at a time like this, it's very important. <laughs> Representation matters. And I am obsessed with this comedy, up and coming, a star to me. Lucas Zelnick, thank you for joining us on So Funny It Hurts. Thank you so much. That was an awesome intro. Did loved, you love it? I loved, I'll take it from the top. I love the stank you put on Ju. And you. I also loved uh, saying, I think you said a star to me, which is yeah. great. You are. Yeah. I'm not uh, a star it's, it's to my, most, but I am a star to you. Well, it's, I like to think that my opinion is what matters. That I, you know what? We don't know each other well enough for me to agree with that, but I don't disagree. Thank you so much. We can't agree that you are a star, though. I'm a star to me as well. That's so, right. <laughs> to, to almost everybody in this room besides your producer, I'm a star. <laughs> no, no, he thinks so too. <laughs> Lucas, you're, thank you so much for coming. Seriously. Thanks for having me. You're so great. I was like going through all of your content and you're so fucking smart. Welcome to Vegas, by the way. Is this your first time in Vegas? <laughs> no, but I've only come for like dumb, you know what I mean? Dumb Vegas. I'm banned. I have a lifetime ban from the Cosmopolitan. Which, by the way, I would love to talk about that if you guys. And we're going to open the gates right now. I had a residency <laughs> at Cosmopolitan for a really? couple years. Do you think I could get in there? Back? Well, I need to know what you did because I don't know how you got banned. Let me say first of all, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. <laughs> Okay. So I just want to say that. Here's what happened. I went for a bachelor party with all these guys from New York. I've never done cocaine in my life. I have addiction in my family. So I've always stayed away from cocaine use. I don't think I want to snort drugs up my nose. I'll say Yeah, it. I hear that. Uh, I don't either. I have cocaine addiction in my family. Never did it. You've never God. tried it. I did it when I was 19 and I did it for a week straight. And then I did the <laughs> residue on my teeth and I was like, bitch, you need... Put it down. So you put, put it picked down. it up. You did it a, a whole I week, did it and one then week, you and never then I, did it again. I was like, "You're a family drug addict. So why don't you um, have a seat?" And I never did it again. <laughs> wow. I was terrified. Okay. Well, I have never done it, so I guess in that sense, like morally speaking, you're kind of here, and I'm just you're better than me. Yes, I hear that. Um, but all my <laughs> friends came, and they brought a bunch of blow, as one does in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what they thought of Vegas. I think it was their first time. I had been for like a couple work reasons, so I knew that like. I know that Vegas is very party party on the strip and everything, but it's also like pretty strict. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's guardrails in place so that things don't get too out of hand. And totally. it's like, you can't just like leave cocaine on the table while housekeeping comes at the Cosmopolitan. Right. But that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And then they took the whole, I was on my friend's reservation and they took the whole reservation and booted us, took our IDs and, um, Wait, I'm so sorry. Your party left cocaine on a table yeah, like a big in your bag hotel of room. Yep. How big? Like, like an large? Okay. Yeah. Not not like drug dealer amounts. Right. Not like a kilo. Okay, right. Like just a regular <laughs> yes. average normal person yes. amount of cocaine for a party from New York here for a bachelor party in Vegas. Okay. Then housekeeping comes in. Yeah. More like housekeeping. Yeah. Yeah, what Snitch the keeping. Fuck? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I understood. Like, I don't think you get, they left cocaine like out, out. You know what I mean? They really left it out. The thing that was weird is like they they took all of our IDs and they put it, and then they were like, if you have any money at the casino, we can bring you down to cash out before we kick you out. And you can never step on these premises again, or else we will call the police. So I had seven dollars in chips and i was like i want i want my seven dollars and so two gigantic security guards walked me to the casino like i got to cut the whole line it looked like i was about to cash out like a million and then i got a five and two ones and then i left and i've never been back Till now, but I, not at the Cosmo because I'm afraid that they will. It's been so many years, but I okay. I know, I know. So. You stayed committed to that seven dollars. Oh yeah, I needed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am a Jew, as you would say. But uh, also, I wanted to make a point. I was like, "Fuck this!" I didn't do your cocaine. First of all, <laughs> you don't even do cocaine. I don't do cocaine. It's weird to take such a moral stance about it my whole life and then get in trouble for being <laughs> yeah, around it. This <laughs> is like, like extra annoying because I was like, I, at this point, I should have just done it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, fuck that place. So fuck the Cosmopolitan. Or, or not, or if they will let me back. If you are watching, they did got bought out since I had my residency there. However, okay. we would like to make a plea here right now. Yes. 
Lucas? I just want to say to the great people of the, the, the family, really, the Cosmopolitan yeah. family, um, to the brothers and sisters of the Cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. of the great Cosmopolitan, I just want to say that the cocaine that my friends did, it was out of hurt and anger. And <laughs> we we didn't know what we were doing. We thought it was... Uh, um, it was baking the, the soda. Stick. We the thought it was candy. candy. And and I just want to say I'm sorry. And I, I would did also it out like to hurt. say baking soda. Yes, is what a lot of people do. If you take a teaspoon and put it in water for acid reflux, which you often get when drinking, and in when Vegas. you're Jewish. And so, uh, so, and I just want to say with everything going on in the Middle East, for the cosmopolitan to take such a hard stand against six New York Jews is troubling, concerning, and points to a legacy of anti-Semitism. And so I just want to say sorry and also consider the possibility that maybe now is not the best time to ban several Jewish patrons. Thank you to the cosmopolitan, to the great family, and I look forward to staying in the presidential suite, hopefully on this trip, once you see this video. Shalom. <laughs> I feel like I knocked that one out of the park. So I feel like you're the president of the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I hope so. I hope I hear from them. They are. Listen, I'm going to send it to them. You I'm have sponsors, happy. right? On this podcast? Yeah, I do. Who do you have? An attorney. You have an attorney? I have a lawyer, Pacific West Injury, and he'll fight for us. Does he? Because <laughs> I've been injured emotionally yes, by the have. Cosmopolitan. I understand. Can we chase them down? Who's Pacific His West? His name is Chris. Okay. And he also owns a gym that is my sponsor called Fit Club. We can bring in... How many sponsors do you have? I have three. Okay, so Fit Club. Fit Club, Pacific West, and Trim Body Spa. And we just want to say thank you so much to the wonderful people of Fit Club, Pacific West, and Trim Body Spa. Thank you. Keep your body trimmed. Yes. Keep your injuries... Light. Light, but also heavily litigated. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and make sure to get to the gym. Make sure to stay fit. And if anything goes down, we applaud Pacific West Injury for making sure that Jewish people with emotional injuries and mental injuries are taken care of. Yeah. Thank you. So, Thank you, Chris. I mean, I don't, I mean, we could get into the podcast. That was beautiful. I feel like we like knocked so many things out <laughs> yeah. so quickly. My biggest backstory. Yes. First apology, first of many for this show. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love apologies, by the way. I love apologies. I've are had you to good... do so many, so. Are, because you offend a lot of people or are you just on our podcast guilty from being Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> no, not that yet, but stay tuned. Soon. But uh, no, on our, I have a podcast called Can I Go Home Now? And we have, uh, we used to have an apology segment because everything we would say would be so like <laughs> offensive that we would just do catch all apologies to anyone we may have offended at the end of each episode. But now we got a soundboard. So we just have an apology. Uh, we have an apology button. Oh, good. So we'll hit it and it'll just say, I'd like to apologize to everyone I've hurt by saying that. So then we can just say and whatever just we want. Get out of it. Yeah. Um, Your podcast is so funny. You guys sometimes do stand up together as well. Yeah, I've done. So my podcast is this guy, Jamie Wolf, mm-hmm. and then another guy named John Kennedy. John and I go on the road together sometimes, and Jamie and I did a whole tour together where we co-headlined and we'd open the shows bumping mics. Yeah, you guys are great. Where can people listen to your podcast? I guess we can make it about yours, even though you're on mine right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just make sure to pause this episode and go directly to Can I Go Home Now? It's on Spotify or, or can Apple Can I Go Podcast. Home Now? Yeah, it's called totally. can, I go, can I Go No, home I'd now. like, I will Oh, go you, home you've had enough. Now. Yeah. But I guess I'll stay here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I loved that apology and your podcast. Uh, speaking of home, you're from back east originally. I'm from New York City. Yeah. Manhattan. And are you an only child? What's the whole... No, uh, older brother, younger sister, younger sister has special needs, older si- or older brother was a heroin addict. So if you want to talk trauma, wow. that's, that's my, that's my go-to, like, you know, when I'm in a space with people of color, uh, that's what I throw on the table and I go, sure, I might be white, but guess whose sister has special needs? Boom. That's right. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Take a stand. <laughs> yeah. 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 I talk about the heroin. Uh, yeah, my brother was... Uh, an addict for many years. Now he works in addiction treatment. Oh, I love that. So he's kind of, and he's like, he's doing really well now. He's been like eight years sober, but he was an addict when we were, we went to college together. He was an addict at that time. Is there a big age difference? No, Two and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. 
That's crazy. Well, because I know that because you talk about this a lot and you do it in such a great, funny way. You're a trust fund kid. Your dad did really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes I feel like people would hear that and be like, what kind of issues do you have? How are you uh, struggling in any way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Money sometimes gives people special needs. Obviously. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But money does sometimes turn people into drug addicts. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes the other thing that money has done for me is just make things really dope. Yeah, good. But it can go both ways. Yeah, it can. I don't know. There's a, I know a lot of unpeople, unhappy people who have a lot of money. Yeah, you know? I do too. But I think just outside looking in, I mean, listen, you're really funny. And you're really, really smart. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. Like, I, I, I really do. It doesn't matter That's what I think. Kind. But I, I really do think you are. But I often find in most comedians that I talk to, including, like, myself, I I always leaned on humor to either be a defense mechanism or was something that showed me immediate love. I grew up in a really dysfunctional uh, home. And so being funny was the thing that got me what I needed. And then even through life, like just being funny made everything so much easier. So we often talk about why people are funny and knowing that, you know, you have a younger sister with special needs now, and obviously a brother who's thank God recovery uh, addiction. What was it that made you so funny growing up? Like, was it, I think I was that way, but yeah, I definitely think like I was the peacemaker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Easy to make peace. When you're funny. Like, yeah, like funny angle, mm-hmm, you know, make totally. fun of it. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like crazy chaos in the house or anything. It was just like, there were, <laughs> I was just the only reasonable <laughs> person in my family. You know what I mean? Or so it felt. Um, I guess parents don't count too. I mean, my parents are pretty reasonable people, but they don't like super count, you know? So I felt like it's like they were both just kind of like retarded. Yeah. (laughs) My siblings in their own ways. But, and then I just felt like I wanted to make light of it, you know? But that's probably why I was, I also think I was just, I don't know what it is with me, but I think I have like, it's not autism. Everyone thinks they're autistic now. I don't think I have autism. Took the test, failed. But what I will Sex say, I know, you have it? I'm probably, listen, I tell this story all the time, but I'll tell you since we are opening up. My brother was diagnosed with autism. They okay. said he'd never speak, never walk. Um, now he doesn't shut the fuck up. He's my best friend. Never walk? Yeah, like he, when what, he was born, it was really- What's the relationship between really... walking and autism? <laughs> I don't I'm not a doctor, Lucas. I can't, I don't know. It doesn't sound <laughs> like the JK. person that made that diagnosis was a doctor either. <laughs> <laughs> it was 33 years ago. Okay. They had no yeah. idea what was going yeah. on. They were like, I don't know. They were like, he's either gay, he can't walk, or he's autistic. We're not 100% sure. (laughs) Coming out of my then soon-to-be lesbian mom, we didn't know yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, fun, fun. This Um, is exciting. And so uh, he ended up being fine. But when I was growing up, we didn't have – I've told this – story a few times but we did not have a lot of money and i wanted to go to sleep away camp and you know like all the jewish girls get Jew to go to Jew camp. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, right. yeah. where are you anything. from i'm from vegas originally. oh you're from here yeah okay mm-hmm. and then i lived in la for 20 years my parents are from philadelphia okay and you came but we're okay. in vegas got you so we i uh, said i want to go to sleep away camp and my mom was like no we can't afford it you're not going so she came home one day and was like listen i found a camp that you can go to if you want to go, but it's not sleepaway camp and it's kids with autism. And I was like, oh, I I could do that. She's like, you would have to be a camp counselor if you went. And I was like, of course, my brother, like when I thought my brother was autistic, I was so good. I got like a white polo, khakis, like I was so. Wait, what's the relationship between no, white polo that, and autism? because to me autism. that felt like a camp counselor move. Oh, like I, I thought you meant shaman. like that's like what you wear around people with autism. <laughs> like when I found out my brother had it, obviously I got the white polo, the ceremonial white polo, so as not to overstimulate them with color. Um, <laughs> the khaki was a nice neutral. <laughs> the khaki and neutral earth tones around the autistic, so as to make sure they don't freak. <laughs> the collar obviously helps protect your neck and protect their eyes from looking at your neck, which obviously 
they also don't like. <laughs> Obviously. There's no correlation. I felt like okay. that was just such a nice looking. Yeah, that's a good. Counselor. Yeah, totally. Like they knew I was also in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. 10 years old. Yes. And so that's I. That's 10 years old to be a camp counselor? Old. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> okay. the responsibility? Yeah. So I did it the whole summer. How old were the kids with autism? Same. 10. Okay. So kind of a power dynamic based on <laughs> mental capacity. Not even mental capacity, because people with autism sometimes have more mental capacity. Oh, they had much more mental different capacity mental than capacity. I did. Yeah. Uh-huh. You I, had the capacity to like understand social cues, and they had the capacity to take any day from history and tell you <laughs> what day it fell on. Yeah. So kind of to each their own in that regard. <laughs> and they decided that you were the leader because you knew how to cry, even though <laughs> they... they uh, for some reason, knew that December 29th, 2002 was Wednesday. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You had feelings and they had feelings about the color purple. <laughs> Not the book, by the way, the actual color. <laughs> exactly. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Well, so continue. Finish all of that. I told my mom a few years ago, we don't speak now, but I went home and I said, um, <laughs> Okay. Obviously, there, you're dropping many. a lot of like There's fucking lot of... Easter eggs in here. You're like my lesbian, <laughs> almost mom at the time wasn't told me I could go to camp anyway. We're estranged. I like when you go crazy and riff. I'm very <laughs> okay. into it. Okay. Um, I said, I, uh, mom, I think that like I'll make a really good mom one day. This was the start of the conversation, and she said, Why would you think that? And I was like, Well, you remember when I was the camp counselor at autism camp with the other kids. <laughs> Calling it autism camp. <laughs> I would have liked to think that's that was the actual name. <laughs> that's in Las Vegas. It's like, that's how... <laughs> would you like to go to autism yeah. camp in Las Vegas? <laughs> and she said to me, what are you talking about? And I was like, when I went, when I was the camp counselor at autism camp, and she said, Michaela... You weren't a camp counselor at autism camp. We were poor, so I told him you were retarded so you could go for free. Uh, and that was... And then you showed up with the white polo and, and khakis, they and they were like, like oh, she's, she's got for it. Sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you thought you were a counselor the whole time? Yeah, and they let me go to the counselor meetings with them. Oh, and they were like, she's so sweet. Look, yeah, her, look at her. This is her thing. Come on, Michaela. And I was like, <laughs> okay, in my stupid outfit. Well, that's honestly, it's on... The, Everybody, if you can pass, you can pass, right? Yeah. I mean, I actually don't understand. For someone who has a sister who's like seriously mentally disabled, I don't know enough about because she doesn't have autism. She was like sick as a baby. She was born neurotypical, so I don't know like a ton about autism. But I've spent a lot of is, time. Does she have? Is it Down syndrome or is she? No, no, no. She was born like completely. I'm not going to say normal because there is no normal. That's right. She was born bad, like every white person, <laughs> and she developed a mental disability, which is more liberal, which is good. So anyway, she she got really sick <laughs> when she was in. Uh, she was six months old. So you know how like, you know what Doctor Death is. You know that podcast about the crazy doctor oh, yeah, 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 who yeah. like kept like and he kept getting bounced around the hospital system because no one wanted to fire him, but yeah. he was like a crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he was yeah. like killed a lot of people. So we had like a doctor that was sort of like that, not a doctor death, but like someone that was a crazy person that should have gotten fired that didn't, that got bounced around the hospital system. And my sister was having a bunch of seizures and we went to this crazy doctor and the crazy <gasps> doctor was like, she's dying. You got to like pump her full of meds. So my parents like did everything. They pumped her full of meds. They, the way they went on like crazy, so my parents were rich, you know, rich, sad people go to crazy lengths to accomplish things they want. So my sister wasn't getting any better. So they like pumped her full of meds that obviously caused her to have like mental disability because she was like an infant. And according to this doctor, that was the right thing to do. Then they like at some point they had like this Eastern medicine, like spiritual healer named Quan Lo. And he would come and just like shake beads at her for like fucking like a long, like I remember one time. This is like a famous story in my family, but he uh, he came he came back after one of her treatments, and he he was like, just so you know, she might be really like her energy might be very exhausted after this treatment because all of my patients have really low energies after my treatments, even the cats and the birds. <laughs> 
my parents were like, okay. all right, I think okay. that's enough of this uh, healer, given that he was treating cats and birds. But uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I know autistics pretty well because I've spent, because you know, there's not, there's a lot of places for people with special needs, but it's not like just Down syndrome or just this or that. Totally. So she's in mixed spaces. So I've spent a lot of time with people with autism, but I don't actually know like definitionally what needs to happen to be diagnosed with it. Because I know of all kinds of people that like they were diagnosed and then they were undiagnosed and they were diagnosed with ADHD or Asperger's totally. and now you're not supposed to say Asperger's because it's like mild autism spectrum disorder. So I like- Wait, I you're don't, not supposed to say Asperger's I don't, anymore? I don't know if you're not supposed to say it or it's just I like- I can't keep up. I know, I can't keep up. I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's like offensive. I just think it's like they've changed it. They've changed the definition or they're not calling that autism anymore. There's been so many changes in autism and now like on TikTok, everyone thinks they're autistic. Yeah. And honestly, I've met some of them and they probably are like, they're, uh, they're for sure not they are. reasonable, yeah. which, but that, but that doesn't necessarily mean But how they do you think the not. autistic community feels? They're like, you guys harassed us for so long. Mm. And now you all want to be a part of our community because you took a test on TikTok. Yeah. I think the autistic community doesn't um, see things that that was like too emotional of a reaction for right, like someone okay. with. A, I think the autistic community is like you are or you are not, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then that's how they see it. Because like I'll oftentimes talk to someone with autism at my shows. This just happened at one of my shows. I posted a clip about it. it pissed me off. There's like three people with autism in the front row, and I was like, "Do you have autism?" And they were like, "Yeah." I was like, "Can I ask you about it?" They were like, "Yeah," and then some other fucking person who didn't have it obviously was like don't pick on them and i was like i'm not Wait, picking what do you on mean? them i watched all your clips so um, you had a show yeah she, she was this like heckler this is pretty recent i posted like a week ago or something uh-huh on tiktok only not on instagram but uh she yeah i was at this show in amherst and like i was just talking to people about asking them about their stimming you know i was doing a little autism comparison and i asked i was like do, do you because i i don't see the, the implication that you should like tiptoe around anyone because they're anything is weird to me. Yeah. I'm like, if you're in the front row of my show, I'm going to treat you like I would treat anyone else. I'm going to make light of whatever there is that I can learn about you. So if I know that you have autism, I'm going to make light of that. If I know that you're a construction worker or you're trans or you're like, and I want to do it in a way that doesn't offend you. I want to do it in, in a way that includes you, but I'm not going to be like, oh. <gasps> Well, you have autism. Well, I'm not going to talk to you. That's so hard for you. Do you know what I mean? Totally. But so You're I not just victimize the situation. Yeah, like no one's a victim. Look, I'll always ask if I'm talking about a topic that is touchy. I will always say, "Do you want to not talk about this?" You're really good about that. I will say you do. You have such a great ability to talk about really tough subjects, like politics, like gender, and you really are respectful one with asking them if they're okay with it. To all the videos I've seen, yes. You even let them know they're on camera or that it may get posted. I mean, yeah. everyone's very aware of what's happening. And then you do find such a great way of making it very funny without being offensive, which in 2023, everyone's offended over uh, everything. Yeah. It's crazy how you have the ability to do that. Well, I think it's like the funniest thing to me about, let's say I'm like talking with someone who's trans, right? The funniest thing to me is not that they're trans, it's that everybody else is uncomfortable about the idea that I'm gonna say something really offensive. Right. So it's like that to me is the funny thing because if you're doing comedy successfully, it doesn't really matter offensive, not offensive. It doesn't, that's not how I see it. If you're doing comedy successfully, what you're doing is you are putting words to the unspoken feeling that everybody is sharing in the room. So that is like, for me, that's what I'm trying to do. It's what I'm trying to do in material and crowd work is you're trying to, to relate to people by knowing what, all of us are thinking. And if I'm talking to someone who's trans, the most likely thing that everyone is thinking is not why are they trans or 
they look weird or they have a weird name. That's like most people are beyond that. Mostly what they're thinking is, is this guy going to say any of those things? Right. Because they go, what's the worst thing that you could say to a trans person? And it's like you could misgender them or you could like uh, say something offensive or you could say that you don't agree with their lifestyle. You know what I mean? But th- but people aren't thinking those things. Mostly people are like, uh-oh, is he going to think those things? Right. And that's the funny thing to me is I go, no, I'm not going to think these things. But the fact that you think I am is funny to me. Yeah. And the, then I'll play on the idea that I'm about to say something, but I'm not actually going to say it. Or the idea of like, what do you think I'm going to say? And what does that say about you? So I was doing this with people in the front who had autism because I was like it was the same shit where it was like people seemed a little uncomfortable and I'm like the people with autism are not uncomfortable one I've asked and two like (laughs) people with autism really don't see things as like uncomfortable or not uncomfortable mean or nice they just see like there's no indication that you would be being rude unless you say hi I'm being rude like that's the whole thing with autism is you don't pick up on social cues so it's like that's like that's funny but it's also true like it is true so I was like I was talking about all these dynamics and someone else was like stop and I'm like no you stop like I'm I'm not doing this in a punching down type way I'm doing it in in a way where I'm like I hope to be elevating you to my level which is to say just like anybody else in the crowd I'm going to make fun of you to the extent that I would make fun of everyone. Like, why would I not treat you the same because you have autism? Totally. Now, I'm not going to say something that's like inherently meant to humiliate you or put you in a position or be like, tell me if this is a social cue you get. Like, that's not nice. Yeah. But like saying, tell me about having autism because I'm actually interested to learn. I don't see what the problem is. So anyway, this fucking chick heckled and then. So how did it end up? Like, were you like. Uh, uh, well, she goes, pick on someone else. And I said, I'm not picking on anyone. And then she said, that's not what I meant. And I was like, okay. And she goes, it's fine. Just keep going. And I was like, I know it's fine. You don't have to tell me it's fine. And then that was all like that sort of, then there was just an awkward air. So I kind of just missed, I kind of redirected back to the show. And then at the end of the show, my buddy Jamie, who I do the pod with, came out to bump mics at the end, which sometimes I'll do just if we have enough time. Yeah. And he was like, you want to debrief <laughs> what happened back there? I love it. And so we got into it and I basically said, I just said, I started to say what had happened. It had only happened like 15 minutes ago. So I was like, I was talking to these people with autism. She goes pick on someone else. And then she yelled out, that's not what I said. And then one of the people with autism yelled out, yes, it is. <laughs> and then and then this was the best part. She yelled out, well, that's not what I meant. And I was like, well, that's the most annoying fucking argument I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you meant. And then because she had said that's not what I said, even though it was verbatim what she had said, yeah. one, I, I got the satisfaction of editing it in such a way where I just edited what she said, and then I edited me repeating what she said, and then I edited her saying that it. she didn't I love say. It. So that was sort of fun. But then also um, after that, I just turned into like, I was like, and you know what else she said? And then I just started making up like crazy thing. things. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I was like, she said, she said she was a Nazi. And she said that so I said like I was like she screamed she was crying because I was talking to people with autism she was crying and she was just screaming repeatedly that she was a Nazi which I didn't understand because it was irrelevant so I said like all these things and then she stood up and she was like I'm not a Nazi I'm black and then I have this riff for any time someone's already being an asshole and then they say they're black because that's happened to me unfortunately three times with women at shows. So I just go, well, you might be black, but you're acting like a white woman right now. And then that <laughs> and then that usually shuts them down. So now I've had I have that riff in my back pocket. And then that was sort of the whole interaction. And then I put it online and like yeah. no one really watched it. <laughs> okay, but I would have watched it. I didn't see it. I'm gonna post it on my own. Yeah, page. it might it might be like hard to f- I don't know. I can show you after. Well, I love that you post all your comedy online. I think that you do such a great job with the hecklers and I feel like sort of knowing comedy like we love the jokes we love the cleverness of it but I feel like a 
something that's really going viral is watching comedians really handle things on the spot, in the minute, with the audience. Is that something that you actively work on every show or is it just it really organically kind of happens? Yeah, I mean, I don't love like and I make this clear at my shows like I don't like getting heckled. I don't want to if I could make any stand up content online, it would not be like heckler interactions. Now, there are times when people are just confused. Look, like I think people watch heckler videos the way that people watch a a street fight. Which is like if there's like a real nasty heckler, yeah. it's like okay, who's gonna win? Yeah, like, and that I think I get the appeal of it, but like it's not fun to be in. And more often than not, when someone heckles in a way that's like unpleasant, even if I respond perfectly, like it's not good for the show. That said, working like on the spot and improvising, I love, and I think it's the reason why like every show is different, which I also love. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about live standup is like. I have the material, I have, you know, I'll write every day and so I'll try and say at least one thing on stage that's a joke that I've never said before. And then, um, then there's just like whatever the fuck else happens. Like last night in Vegas, it was just like a rowdy, which I wasn't surprised Listen, about. the crowds are so wild in Vegas. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's one of the hardest crowds to work because they're from everywhere. It's not like yeah. going to Oklahoma and the people are from Oklahoma. Like you go to Vegas on the strip. They're from everywhere. They've been drinking yeah. 24-7. Yeah. You don't have to stop. And that room, because I'm at Wise Guys in the Arts District, that's a great room for yeah. comedy. Like acoustically, even size-wise, like it's kind of perfectly laid out. But like they were just, yeah, they were just a little unhinged. You know what I mean? And like I'm a, I don't know who I appeal to, but I, I, I talk about being like a rich kid from New York City, which is like not the most like relatable place to come from when you're talking to like people from all over, which is what Vegas really seems to be. Yeah. Even the people that live here now usually seems seem to have like come from somewhere else. Yeah. Or at least they're like one generation removed. But yeah, it's, it was rowdy, but that's sort of fun. Like there was no like one person heckling. I just got the vibe of like these fuckers are all over the place. And like, I, it's my responsibility to stay on top of them, show that I'm like the fucking boss here and like have fun and not like lose the fucking thread. Yeah. So that kind of thing I like, I like being like kept on my toes, you know, um, but I don't love, yeah, I don't like getting heckled. Like, that's not something yeah. I seek out or work on. And as for, like, improvising and crowd work, I don't look as, at it as a skill that I can work on so much as I look at it as, like, how can I be the most me on stage? Like, not have a second layer of thought. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to go, like, flow state. You know what I mean? Where it I'm feels just, like, like that, not... though. Watching you, it feels like it's just coming out very naturally. That's the hope. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, I try not to think. I just, I say whatever I'm thinking, intrusive thoughts included. And then I'd rather say something that crosses the line or just something that doesn't make sense and then comment on it afterwards. Like, a lot of the times I'll say my very first thought and it doesn't make sense. And I'll be like, you know what's interesting about what I just said is that didn't make any sense. So I'd rather debrief everything I do after the fact than, like, think about it before and then say the thing that makes sense. I'd rather, like, fuck up and then talk about it because that's funny too, you know? Well, so, okay, let's talk about being a rich kid from New York. You went to Stanford, right? Yeah, I got an MBA from Stanford. And what did you, uh, when you were in college, were you like, I definitely want to do stand-up? This is something I'm going to be pursuing. So I went to college on the East Coast. Stanford was grad school, but uh, on the East Coast, no, no, continue. Sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to see because usually people, I would think the assumption would be that you would have to be a doctor or a lawyer, like doing stand-up comedy and then going to such prestigious schools like you... Uh, would not go into stand-up comedy. And it's so natural for you now. Yeah, I figured I would just be like the CEO of a major corporation. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone that I knew growing up was like so rich and, well, and, and business it's e- It would have been easy for you. Like it's not like a stretch for you. I didn't think so. Yeah, like, I can be the CEO of a company. Uh, that's what I thought. You know, like representation matters and all my representation was just like rich white guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just be one of those guys. But I didn't think much about it. Like I didn't, 
you know what it was is I was working I was working in a corporate job like right after I graduated college kind of like I had done stand-up a couple times but I hadn't like committed to it it was like a party trick and the reason why I went all in on stand-up is because I kept like I worked at this big company that had like 20,000 employees and I worked in a role where I got to get to know the CEO of the company a little bit and it was weird because it's like I'm at the table I'm making at that time I don't know like 120 grand a year which is great as a you know 20 yeah, something and then anybody. and then the the CEO is making 55 million bucks a year and like doing all these keynote speeches and all this shit and I'm like oh that seems pretty cool maybe I should just do that maybe I should just stay here until I become him but then the more I like stayed I was like okay first of all the number of people that aren't this guy that got very close but then the drop off is like crazy in terms of what they do and now they have to like suck this fucking guy's dick is a lot yeah so i was like i i'm not it's not clear to me that it is it's even skill related it's like such a hard and then the second thing is i was like this guy's 60 i'm 24 so i'm like well what do i do with the 36 years like the more like this this corporate mindset where you're like oh well i want to be that guy and it's like yeah but that there's 36 years in between that. So how? what do you want your life to be? Because that's your life, 36 years. Yeah. So the more I thought about that, I was like, I don't think I want to wanna be someone and then achieve that goal when I'm – I didn't want to, like, achieve the end state goal as, like, a 60-year-old. So I was like, well, what would I like doing every day? And that's how I sort of got into stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's how I decided to pursue it because I was like – I think this is my best chance of not only succeeding, but also enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. It's interesting because another comedian, a friend of mine that I had on the show, he was, um, he did, uh, how do I say? He was from Texas. Porn? And like, yes. <laughs> he was doing porn and pornography for those who don't know what it is, stands for. And um, no, he did oil. Uh, he like dug oil or, or oh, he do you was, know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, he was like, um, you're like, did you go to college, Michaela? I'm trying to fucking work. <laughs> Wait, he was, uh, well, now like that he, you said dug oil, I can't think of oil the right word. In Texas, yeah, yeah. like he drilled oil. Yeah, yeah, it was and he made like a refiner. I don't even know what that word means, but yes, <laughs> that sounds beautiful. And so, um, don't emasculate me on my own show with words that I don't know, and you know, I don't know them. Um, <laughs> I just think the dichotomy between him and yeah, okay, sorry, I was just trying to pull another big word on you. I want you to do it. Do you know what Trust that word me. means? Dichotomy. I want. I know. Do you know what it means? Uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Great. Then we don't even have to talk about it further. Acknowledge. Wonderful. Ever heard of that? What one? a gregarious conversation we're having. Short Isn't that right, Michaela? Greg, short for Greg. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. Lucas. Okay, continue. <laughs> I just wanted you to take a sip of your water. And there's chloroform in there. I wanted... <laughs> no, he, was, he used to make so, so, so much money. And then he was young. And then in the pandemic, he was like, this fucking... Like, I just want to be like funny. I want to do my thing. And he totally left this great, great career where he could have made so much money and he's slinging the fucking clubs. And it's hard. Like, if you're not Chappelle, like you're really working those clubs and it's hard. It's a vulnerable position. And you don't know what the fuck you're walking into. Oftentimes like Vegas, um, it's such a hustle, but it, it is. It's sometimes just not about the money. Like the the laughter is good. Well, I got this piece of advice when I was at Stanford. It was it was by a dude who similarly was like on a career path for something that was very successful. And then he like said fuck it to all of it. And he became like a director. And now he's like a successful director. He said, if you do what you love, money will beat its way to your door. And... I think that is probably the worst advice I've ever heard. The number of people I know actively and painstakingly pursuing their passions and super have zero chance of succeeding is a lot. But for a couple people, that's good advice. (laughs) If you are talented or lucky or hot, then that is great advice. And if you were a guy, because I weirdly see a lot of stand-ups who like had a successful 
career for like 20 years in like banking or finance and now they're like slumming it in New York and I'm like and that's their narrative you know they're like I fucking I walked away from the tough thing to like and that's awesome some of them are so bad though yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah but that's good advice I mean I I feel like it's not the most optimistic advice but yeah. it's true yeah because there are i mean but that's with everything that's with all art like all craft yeah. if you're not good don't walk away from the good gig yeah that's true you know. don't quit your day job is a good don't quit your day job yeah i know but it's interesting because you also do have to be delusional listen i'm in there right now just so in my own life seeing the word delusional and seeing it go over and over like that you have to be it's a very difficult balance you got to be at peace with whatever level you're at, I suppose. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Like, I'm at peace with where I'm at stand-up-wise. Like, I'm at peace with how my career is going. I could look at all the people who are my age or younger doing better and think that I'm nowhere. I could look at all the people my age or older doing worse and think that I'm, like, killing it. But ultimately, I'm like, am I happy with my life and how the shows are going and my process creatively and how many people I can get to the shows. And right now the answer is yes. So I'm like, I'm at, I'm, I'm good for now. You yeah, know? that's great. Well, you do really great material. You do one, uh, one conversation that I loved, the tattoo regrets. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have tattoos. I do. Yeah. And I like them. Is your Jewish father okay with that? Are they good uh, with this? Dad was fine. Mom, Mom texted me. The first tattoo I got was when I decided I would be like try to do stand up professionally. I got a thigh tat, which I later learned is sort of like a tramp stamp for dudes. But listen, I have a tramp stamp and it's the Italian flag and it's not even the Italian flag. It's the wrong flag. Wait, really? Yeah. Uh huh. What do you what is it? It's an Italian flag on my lower back. Okay. And I handed it to him. I said, because I'm Italian and Jewish. And I said, I want the Italian flag. Yeah. And when he scanned it, he did it backwards. So now it's not any, it's not the Italian flag it's, for sure. Is it sure. the Irish flag? It's the Irish flag. Is that what the Italian yes, flag it is, is backwards? Yes, backwards. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a good. Are you Irish at all? Not a lick. Okay. Gotcha, so, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's that too bad. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, is that so, the biggest one that you regret? Yeah, it's the only one. Okay. But I hate it. Yeah, it of course. It doesn't belong to me. Right. It belongs right. to an Irish woman. Right, right, right. A white woman. Right. And you're not. Not. No. Well, I am when I don't have a spray tan on. Yeah, I, was like, passing. I was like, I can't tell exactly. <laughs> I was say, you have your mail tramp stamp. Uh, yeah, my mail tramp stamp. So that was the first one I got when I texted my mother that I was getting that. She responded, tell me this is a hoax, which is like a funny, a confusing. Wild like way a to say ho- it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I, it's certainly not a hoax. And it's also not a joke. It's just a <laughs> tattoo. Um but then they were pretty cool about it. And then these little ones I've gotten, because this one I got with a girl. Okay, Who tell I'm me not about seeing it. any longer. Love that. So this was like a very, this was like a flash in the pan, very exciting relationship that ended Poorly. pretty much as quickly. Not honestly in in the full course of time. No, like we're, we're not on bad terms or anything, but it was just like one of those where it was very intense we were like, oh, should we get matching tattoos as a bit? We got them as a bit. And then, like, we broke up, like, I don't know, a month and a half later or something. Okay. Um, so that one. And then after that one, that was the first one on my arm. And everyone was like, what's that tattoo all about? And I was fucking sick of <laughs> answering that question. So I got this one. This one I went with a, a buddy of mine who had uh, ju- also just been through a breakup. And he... Uh, he went went to go get his first tattoo, and then he got there, and it was too expensive for him. But we already had an appointment, so I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. So I had to come up with what I was getting on the spot. And then this one, same friend, same situation. I made another appointment for him somewhere cheaper, and then he found out that he couldn't go into the ocean with a tattoo. So he bailed again, and I got this one. So I got these two in the same week. Why did you have to go into the ocean? Were you on vacation? I wasn't going, but he was going to like Cape Cod that weekend on vacation, and he was like, "No, I want to go in the ocean this weekend." So So he bailed on. Did you get another tattoo? Yeah, both. I got both of these in the same week, and he. It was both. It was my friend Jamie. 
he he bailed on the podcast yeah he bailed on both tattoos and i ended up with two more tattoos would you consider jamie a dependable friend um as in i can depend on him yeah uh yeah would you consider him somebody who puts you in situations you don't always want to be in? <laughs> well, he totally fucked me on these tattoos, but I was down to get the tattoos. I, I The plan was for us to both get tattoos, and then he hung me out to dry, but he did come, so it was weird. Yeah. He came to both, so he watched me get two tattoos in a week. So he's he was dependable in that he was there, but I couldn't count on him to also so get the tattoos. follow through with his own tattoos. Yes. He just watched but that was his yours. own journey, you know what I mean? Totally, we're not judging that journey yeah. for him at all. Yeah. Chase is going through a breakup, our producer. Oh no, Chase. It was really fast and then it and then it ended. Chase, how long was it? I mean, it was like three months. We met in like That's a, a long time that for can Chase, be, okay? That can yeah. be intense. That can also be the most painful length though, Chase. Because they were both singers. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we met in a foreign country, in a foreign Ooh. city, you okay. know? Where, yeah. Which one? Uh, Graz, Austria. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it it was uh, it was real exciting. I was I was pretty excited about it. You know, I liked her a lot. And then, does she you know, live in the states? She does. She lives in Kentucky. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Which like, I mean, that's like an right there. I know. Eighty dollar flight, really not that bad. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because no one's going to Kentucky. Yeah, but why is she there? You know what I mean? Oh, oh that's a great question. That's a great. So, question. do you have any advice? I'm coming from our relationship advice giver now. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you have a question for Lucas in regards to relationships and getting over them? I feel like you'd oh. have a good answer. Mm. Well, I mean, I think you just asked the question, didn't you? So, do you want to know how to get over this? Yeah, actually, over that'd, be, that'd be good. How, how fresh is it? I mean, like, sheesh. It probably ended like a week and a half ago. Maybe okay, okay, ago. okay. Yeah. So, you're selling that. Still pretty fresh. The dark zone. I bought a motorcycle afterwards. Like you bought a motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that's great. Yeah, that was, that was like my, uh, I was like, well, saving money on plane tickets now. Let's get a motorcycle. Yeah, dude. I think that's the move is do like a little something that like makes you a stranger to yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I. That's, that's actually really what good I advice, did. though. Uh, yeah, I honestly. I thought you were know? gonna say something funny, but that's really good. Advice. I mean, I sort of meant it, and it was also sort of meant to be funny. But that's what I did. Just a couple impulsive decisions, you know. At the end of the day, um, you think you know who you are or who they are, and then you find out maybe neither. And uh, if you lean in. You know, turn it into a bit, have a little fun with it. It's mm-hmm. not so bad. I think the motorcycle was a great call. He's kicking ass on his motorcycle, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're you welcome. mean what's kicking ass mean? Like he's getting a lot of pussy, or I mean a little he bit of all of the above. Him, yeah, him, <laughs> literally. Along with his operatic voice, but also he like got his motorcycle. He's been riding all around town. He went to, to Kingmond. He's. I don't know what that is, but that uh, he's going sick. places that are a lot of miles away. Yeah, uh, yeah, enjoy that. A yeah. little, you know, therapeutic, riding the motorcycle. I I mean, listen, the, the only thing that fixes a breakup is time and giving yourself a break from thinking about it too much, however you do. So if a motorcycle gives you a break from thinking about it or a tattoo makes you feel confident and fuckable when you didn't feel fuckable or uh, shit, what's the other thing I did? Ooh, weed. I did a lot of weed. For sure. You know? Just, do you smoke weed? I do, yeah, I smoke weed. I smoked weed a lot during this relationship because it was sort of stressful. Like this person I was seeing, it was just very intense in ways that sometimes like got me, it just was in my head a lot. And smoking weed just made me chill. And so I like to smoke weed for that reason, just to chill out or to relax. Also like a lot of times when I finish shows, I'm fucking beat, you know? And like drinking is just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel relaxing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'll, I'll smoke. Yeah, I prefer that. You you smoke weed? Um, I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. I don't smoke weed. Oh, nice. Uh, I quit drinking like eight months ago. I was getting really nice. bad ulcers. And oh. uh, it's, it really ended up being the best thing I ever did. I feel really good. Um, and I do uh, mushrooms. I do like oh, nice. mushroom trips. And I love that. How but- deep do you go? I, I go pretty deep. I've been on like a very big like you'll ego go see death. see God. Yeah, that's cool. No, like I I go to this really spiritual woman and I'll do like a full mushroom like trip. a guided. Yeah, mm-hmm. and interest. Can I ask about that? I'm so anything? Yeah. What? Because uh, I do shrooms too, but usually like so I've done shrooms. I would say once in my life to that extent to ego death. Yeah, Ville. Yeah. Like eight hours, mm-hmm. visuals, Sweating, stressing. 
Yeah, but then coming through to that place of like clarity and feeling like very much like the come up period and then like breaking through that. Yeah. Whereas now when I do shrooms, I feel like usually I'll have like that come up anxiety and then it will just kind of like mellow, but it doesn't like, you don't like shoot through the fucking earth, which is what I, the first time I ever did shrooms, that's what happened. So how often do you go there? Um, I mean, I microdose, yeah. which I do by myself, but I do uh, shrooms. I've done it a handful of times. And then I do these IV ketamine treatments, okay. which have been amazing that a doctor facilitates. And um, it, it's been really, really beneficial for me. I have a lot of, uh, I what's, had a lot of. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Please, you. What's the, what's the spiritual woman say or do that prevents you from like fully losing it on the come up? When you've taken that much, because that's my fear now is I'm just like, I'm like, I've had panic attacks before on, on drugs, you know? Yeah. And that's the worst. Cause it's like, you have a panic attack when you're sober and you're like, am I dying? And you're like, well, I know I'm not technically dying, but I feel like I that's am. That's why I don't smoke weed. I had, I, I really do get the worst panic attacks Yeah. and I can't handle it. I just, mm. it's not worth it for me. I, I think she just creates such a safe space. And then even if you do like one time I had a really intense breakthrough like I was crying like it was a lot yeah and I think just knowing that there was somebody there in their sober mind and she like came and held my arms and she like was really nurturing a situation that would need like a feminine nurturing right moment I felt so much better I mean because you do come out of it yeah does she talk you through it on the come up she I mean she she does. She or is does. she just kind of there quietly, like watching? She, it depends. Like, she sort of gives you permission as well. Like, she's like, it's okay. Feel this. This is normal. Mm. This feels good. Sort of giving you that reassurance that, like, like you're, you're experiencing okay. the normal effects of a very potent yeah. dose of a drug. Yeah. And that this is good. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, we should yeah. be feeling, feel it. You she's know, almost like it. a shroom's cuckold. Like, she's sitting in a chair in the corner just watching you get <laughs> fucking high. for five hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think at one point, she was reading a book one time and I was really? like, can you pay attention to me? Yeah, you're like, could we uh Am I gonna in? die? What's does happening? she charge a, a high rate? Yeah, she does. Yeah, I bet yeah. she fucking does. She fucking, fucking does. But it works. I mean, listen, I I feel like in the state of the world as well, and I would be so interested in how you do this. When I used to do stand-up, I really quit doing stand-up because it was... 15 years ago and everybody was getting canceled for everything Mm -hmm. and I felt like what's the point of doing stand-up or performing if you can't talk about things that are really happening Mm -hmm. and it's difficult I mean it's why I credit you so much on how you do it even right now the way that you're talking about you know Israel and Palestine like Mm. I think that there are ways that's the beauty of humor it's the whole point of the podcast like everything is traumatic everything can be sad everything can be very dark and it's like where do you find those pockets of humor that may be borderline offensive to some but not having everything be so personal like we need that humor we really we need it because we're all losing our fucking minds right now yeah I feel like some people the people that get offended at shit I do, it's usually because they're of the mind that you can't even make a joke about certain things. Right. And I think that's the the main perspective difference between comedians and everybody else is I don't think comedians can think of one area that is not okay to joke about. Right. Like our view is like everything could have a joke made about it. It doesn't mean every joke about everything is not offensive. Like, I think there's shitty jokes that suck that are hacky or lame or, like, offensive. But I'm like, everything could have a good joke written about it if you approach it the right way. That's my view. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do such a good job with it. I, I mean it. I think you're so great. I'm so excited. Where are you going next? You still, you're still on tour. Yeah, I have Atlanta um, next weekend. When does this come out? It'll be out next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So as in this Wednesday or a week from this Wednesday? This coming Wednesday. Okay. So I don't know. I never understood next. Okay. Like I know what you're like because you're right. It's like it will be out on the next Wednesday no, that it's happening. because I don't know the date. I'm going to tell you right now so we know exactly what we're talking about. It's the second. The first. The first. So yeah, so I'll be in Atlanta this coming weekend. The third through the fifth. Great. <laughs> um, but then after Atlanta, I have, oh, fuck, I'm going on the West Coast for a while. I have, like, Oklahoma City, Plano, 
Sacramento, San Francisco, Tacoma, and Spokane on one run. That's the following weekend. And then after that is Thanksgiving. And then I have Austin, Providence, Boston, Bozeman, Montana. And that's before, that's the rest of 2023. And then you'll be on holiday. And then I'll chill for a little bit. Although I think I have a, the January 4th to 6th, I think I'm back on tour. Bridgeport, Connecticut. And that's, let me just say something about Bridgeport, Connecticut. That's the kind of place where you actually want to put a fucking gun in your mouth. (laughs) That's the kind of place where you want to take what's legal here. I think a fully automatic assault rifle. I think everything's legal. (laughs) Yeah. Take a gun that, that really shouldn't have ever existed, even for military grade purposes, and just eat it. Because that's what going to Bridgeport, Connecticut for a weekend of stand-up shows makes me want to do. Okay. Yeah. And is it the people? Is it their inability to laugh at your No, don't get me wrong. I don't respect the people of Bridgeport, Connecticut, but they're not the reason why I I don't want to be there. I think it's where they live. It is a sad, sad place. A commuter town, but a far and shitty. Mm. It'll be cold. And I won't sell tickets there. (laughs) So I'll be performing in an empty comedy club for people who don't know who I am, which is actually not a bad thing. I like performing for people who don't know who I am because they don't have expectations. And usually that means good things for me. Yeah. So I don't mind that they don't know who I am, but I do mind that they live in Bridgeport and I do mind Bridgeport as a place. Is there a place that you love the most doing comedy? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I will say like if I have good shows, I'll start to like the place. Yeah. You know I what I mean? That. I had a show last night that was good and I was like, oh, maybe I don't hate Las Vegas. You know? Right. I don't think I do hate Las Vegas. How anyway. do you feel about Vegas? Tell me. I don't think I hate it. Okay. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so spooky. It's so scary because it's so huge and glamorous and also like dark. Like you get one block off of the strip mm-hmm. and it's like one place and then you're on the strip and even the strip is scary because you have these like incredible gigantic buildings and lights and then you have these scary scary homeless just wandering the strip some guy was like asked me for directions to an apartment complex today and i was like darling i'm from new york you're gonna have to keep it like don't look at me yeah good <laughs> for sorry. you but uh yeah, so I'm scared of this place a little bit, but I do think it's cool. The lights do do something to me. Like whatever the No, it's cool. Yeah, like like psychologically, whatever the Do shrooms here. This is the place to do it. I know. Maybe I should after my show tonight. Yeah. But it, here's the thing, Michaela, is I'm a little afraid to do as much as would be worth it doing. But I've you know, I do like a normal amount all the time. Like up to like a gram I do. Okay. Like all the time. But okay. like to really go kind of into the zone like yeah. you go i'm a little scared to go do that solo well no i didn't say go into the zone and yeah. then go on to the strip but i desire to go on into the okay. zone but regardless yeah the strip i mean i can call and see if the, my lady's available she's in la she's in la mm-hmm. she's work. in malibu oh of course she is oh mm-hmm. uh, let's go so you're going to the best yeah, yeah. i am are you do you does she have a nice little beachside yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, and you just I think she like little... married very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then became a spiritual advisor. This is great. Kept the house. This sounds amazing. When they Maybe I'll hit you up for when I'm in LA. Yeah, that please let me really know. Good. I would love to send you to her. Yeah. Because it's an experience. What's her name? Uh, her name is Angel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to fucking tell you. Yeah. God forbid it was like Sarah. Just... <laughs> no, it would never be that disgusting yeah, yeah, yeah. name. It's yeah. a beautiful name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, thank you. Listen, you're so funny. Thank you for having me. And I think that you really are so wonderful and so smart. And I love this. Are those friendship bracelets? Yeah, my little, my, no, these girls, they're from my fans that are Swifties. And they'll make me Luke Zelnick friendship bracelets for my shows, which is really sweet. Wait, that's so cute. Yeah, so I wear them. I love, that's so nice. This one was from my show in Kansas City last weekend. It says Zelne Casey. Like it's because my name's Zelnick, yeah. CK, but they flipped it for Kansas City. Cute. And then this one's just my full ass name because I don't. How does it feel to have the same fan base as Taylor Swift? It's you could very be a billionaire. Bizarre. Well, I I will be. Yeah. When my parents die. <laughs> no, no, I don't. And think... those are the goals that we want to have. Here. I don't okay. think I will be a billionaire, but I'll certainly not be incredibly far from it. So, in that regard, I think I'm very similar to Taylor Swift. We're both out of touch 
very clearly Caucasian, fuck a lot of people, most likely, get friendship bracelets from our fans, and never have to worry about money. And do you sing? I don't. But I do perform for crowds. So, yeah, I think Taylor and I have a lot in common. Do you have any affiliation with Travis Kelsey? Uh, well, his girlfriend is very similar to me. So, yeah, in that regard, yes. So it's like <laughs> you're dating Travis Kelsey. I feel that, yes, I could bottom, in a heterosexual bottom for way. Travis. Yeah, or I take it the homosexual route. <laughs> yeah, either one, really. Yeah. So basically, I guess what we're saying, I'm actually interviewing Taylor Swift. In a sense, yeah. This is the biggest podcast I've ever hosted. Yes. Well, either way, it should have been the biggest podcast you've ever hosted. I said you I'm were a star a, a when star I introduced you. you. <laughs> yeah. What more do you want me to say? No, I know. You're the star of David to me, and that- That's beautiful. Is how, what, how I feel about you. I, and I appreciate that. Um, I feel like I never want to let you go because every time you talk, you just say more ridiculous shit <laughs> that I really appreciate so much. But I do know that you have more shows and more lives to change. More lives to change. T-Swift. very sweet. Yeah. Congratulations on becoming a billionaire. Well, thank you for having me. And congratulations to your dad for also doing well in life. Yeah. And I hope that you'll come back on this show. I will. This was so I much fun. I love you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Do you want to give me one more compliment before you? <laughs> You're great. Thank you so much. So Funny It Hurts is brought to you by Pacific West Injury Law. Got into an accident? Contact Pacific West Injury Law. Also, there's nothing better for your mental health than a great workout. And our episode is brought to you by Fit Club, the only place to be. It's so funny, it hurts.